You are the Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, here's the way I feel. I feel like the Lord's happy this morning. I don't feel like he's somber. And I feel like when the Lord's happy, we need to be happy. You know, because he's happy for a reason. And I believe the Lord, uh, when he's happy, could do, he could heal people. He could just touch people. You know what I'm saying? If we just give the Lord that chance in our lives. So, Lord Jesus, we want to be happy with you. And, Lord, I know people say happiness is tied to circumstances. And that's true, Lord, on a natural realm. But in the spirit realm, Lord, your circumstances are our circumstances. Lord, we're seated with you today. And, God, we just want to take on that joy, that oil of joy, that happiness that's on, on Jesus. I, okay, this may seem stupid to you, but I don't really care. <laughs> but this morning I saw the Lord walk up to me when I was he's right here. And he came up to me. And he was a pretty plain-looking guy, actually, in my little vision. But he was just had a huge smile on his face. That's what he had, a huge smile on his face. He was happy. And he was happy to be here. You hear me? Jesus was happy. And he was just a plain guy, plain-looking guy. But I believe he's happy this morning to show us his scars. Amen? He's happy to show us his scars that he's got on his body for us. Now, that's the Lord. That is the Lord. He's just happy. He's happy about the cross. Amen? Thank you, Lord. When I get to feeling like this, I always mess up. <laughs> I get in trouble. I get in trouble. And I just feel in my heart, if we can worship Him, that will carry us into the heart of God. That worship carries us into the heart of God. You hear me? So help me. Lord, I ask you to help me. Help me to worship you in what I say here. Well, amen. I'm going to try to do this. Um, I'm going to give you the second half of my Easter message, which I didn't get to finish last week. So I remember one time I didn't do an Easter message on Easter, and I got fussed at because <laughs> I didn't do it. So the person who fussed at me, you will be glad to know this morning because you're still here today, these years later that I'm not only doing, did an Easter message last week, I'm doing one this week. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a hymn called, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. That's a wonderful hymn. I read the words to it this morning. It's wonderful. And that's what, what I'm doing this morning. Uh, I'm surveying the cross. And <clears throat> remember last week I read the scripture, Luke 9, 21. Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You said anyone. Anybody, anyone here this morning? Anybody? He said this to everybody. And if you have a desire in your heart to come after Jesus, the Lord just said deny himself, which really means this, make Jesus more important than everything else in your life. That's what denying yourself is, really getting right down to it. Uh, in the area of your life, there's areas in your life where Jesus is not the most important. That's where he's talking to you about denying yourself this morning. Make him more important. Then take up your cross and follow me. And what I did 
where I started last week was I went and was reading to you what Jesus said when he was dying on the cross. Y'all remember that? And what was the first thing he said? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And, we, and I shared the whole time about that and how forgiveness is such a powerful thing. But it, I, I want to make up the point that remind you, it said forgive them, meaning them's a bunch of people you're going to have to forgive over the span of your life, you know? And many times them is the people closest to you. It's the person sitting right next to you. You know, it's the person you're sleeping with. It's the children you're eating, you're sitting across the dinner table from. Um, and also the point is, Father, forgive, you know, Father, forgive us as we forgive uh, those who've sinned against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive, as me and like. Remember what I said to you, like, do we want God? Do we really want God to forgive us like we forgive everybody else? Like, in other words, do you half forgive or I forgive if you act right? You're forgiven. Do we really want that kind of forgiveness? Remember that? Do you really want that? That's a good question. I don't, want, I don't always want God to forgive me the way I'm forgiving people. I want God to forgive me. I want to forgive from my heart. I want to forgive and release and go on. And that's how I want Jesus. And I thank God for that. I thank God what Kathy shared this morning. Uh, and I thank the Lord for all the people that God's dealing with about forgiveness in this church. It's a good response. So if I get a response to the other six things that Jesus said when he was on the cross, we'll be overwhelmed this morning. <laughs> Amen? Y'all excited? Jesus is alive. So what I'm talking about is how you take up your cross on a practical level. First of all, number one is you've got to forgive. Forgive them. That's one way of taking up the cross. This is the pathway of discipleship. This is the way we follow Jesus. Second thing, Luke 23. Turn there in your Bible. Second thing Jesus said on the cross. Now, we're going to have to enjoy ourselves this morning if Jesus is happy, okay? I can't just be unhappy here. I'm excited about the Lord. Honestly, and this is why I'm excited about it. God is doing so much in my life that it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. It is ridiculous. As a matter of fact, this is what happened to me this week. This was great. I got to go and get pastored by one of my pastors. It was wonderful. I was so blessed by that. To be have somebody talking to me about my stuff and helping me with my stuff. You know what I'm saying? I realized, man, that feels that feels good. <laughs> to go to somebody to talk to you and say, Now you didn't, you know, you didn't say that, you didn't do that, you know, just really speak it into my life and that was that was great. I went away thinking, you know, I need to do that more. <laughs> I need help, Lord. That's what I was saying. I need a pastor. Uh, I got some pastors, and that was helping me. Amen. Well, it's great when the Lord does that for you, isn't it? Well, that excites me. I don't know about you. <laughs> I like to talk to my pastor. Pastors. I got a few of them. Then one of the criminals, verse 39, who were hanged, blasphemed him saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to, to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. 
Today you'll be... So that's the second thing Jesus said. Now, I'm telling you this. I don't think that day Jesus probably looked much like a Savior. <laughs> what you think? Don't you think he looked like a mess up there naked? I mean, just if, if they would just take his clothes off and hung him up there, that would have been bad enough, right? He was naked. He was beaten to death. He had a crown of thorns. He had blood. He was a mess. He was a mess. A lot to be ashamed of, really. But I'm going to tell you, here's, here's, this is what this really means to us. This is what this really says to me. At Jesus' absolute lowest point, he still believed what God had said. This is my beloved son. He still believed in his purpose and his mission in life. And he didn't allow his low level, what appeared to be low level, at that moment in his life, his, his messed up life, his ruined life, his dashed dreams, what it would seem to man, he did not let that stop him. You hear what I'm saying to you? See, people get, here's what, there's this voice. Remember the voice I gave you last week from Mark 15, 30? Save yourself and come down from the cross. Well, here's what that voice says to us when we are in a bad, we're in a bad place in our life. We're in a dark moment in our life. It says this to you, and everybody's heard this voice. You know what? You're not worthy. You know what? You shouldn't be saying anything. You should be quiet because you're messed up. Anybody ever heard that voice? Anybody ever heard that tell them you don't deserve, you're not worthy, you're messed up, who's going to listen to you, nobody cares about what you got to say? That's a mocking voice telling you to stop following the God, quit, get off the cross, don't take up the cross. So here's what taking up the cross is. See, that's an absorption with self is what that is. And God, what He was saying is... The cross will execute your absorption with yourself. Jesus was not absorbed with himself. He didn't care that he was hanging there naked and still reaching out to a man. He didn't care that his life was messed up. He wasn't concerned that he had lost his job. He wasn't concerned that he was bankrupt at that moment. He wasn't concerned about all the bad things and everything that went wrong to him. He still believed in who he was and who, what God had said to him. You see, what happens to a lot of Christians... When your life goes bad, when everything goes down on you, you forget about that. You, you pull away from it because here I am. I'm too messed up to witness. I'm too messed up to, to believe in who God said I was. And that's what that voice is. Come down from the cross. Save yourself. That's what it's telling you. That's, that's what it means. Don't believe what God has said to you. Don't act on it because you're messed up. But that's not what the cross says. The cross executes that, and the Lord Himself will give you power to be who He's called you to be, even at your worst moment. Are you with me? Even at your worst moment, you do not have to be at your best moment to shine for God. You do not have to be at your best to fulfill what God's called you in life. You can fulfill it today. If God's called you today and God spoke to you today, you are that today. You don't have to wait till everything gets better and then you can speak. Are you with me? That's taking up the cross. That's, what, that's taking up the cross. Just as much as forgiveness is taking up the cross. That fear of man's faces. Everybody got that? What are they going to think? Look how ugly I am. Look how messed up I am. What would they think? 
opinions of others. That's what the voice says. What will they think? Look at you. Look at you. Don't you think Jesus was hearing all that? Yet he was saying there, yeah, yeah. Today you'll be with me in paradise. I'm going to save you today. Are you all with me? That's something to be excited about. Some of you messed up rascals out there. Some of you are so messed up. You're in a mess in your life. But that doesn't matter. Third thing Jesus said, John 19, verse 26 and 27. Oh, this is good. Y'all being way too quiet out there for me this morning. It says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. Of course, that disciple was John, the apostle John. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. So here's another thing about bearing the cross, taking the cross. It talks about, we're talking about relationship here. Okay, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being put into a family. We're talking about being put into a community. It goes beyond just a Sunday morning handshake. Okay, let me tell you, most Christians, most people's perspective about church and about the kingdom of the law is not even biblical at all. You know, because this is, this is it, man. God, this, when God, it says this in Psalm 68, 6. He says, God sets the solitary in families. And when you get saved, you're put in a family. Somewhere, at some place, if you are really going to follow the Lord, you are going to be placed into the family of God, and you're going to live in that family and be with that family just like you live in your natural family. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And, just, and, and every family's got issues, right? There's sibling rivalries. There's people who do stuff in families that are not right. But Christianity is a family thing. And I'm going to tell you, you will never be a disciple of Jesus until you develop. It's a lifestyle. It's not just coming to church. That's bull. That's not the Bible. And people who just come to church, if that is their expression of Christianity, then according to the Bible, you are really not following Jesus. doesn't mean you're not saved. But I'm saying if you really are going to be a true biblical Christian who's fully following the Lord, God will place you in a family and there's a lifestyle where you'll live out your Christianity with these other people. Meaning you're going to get mad at them and they're going to get mad at you. Them and you're going to have to forgive them. That's why he told you up front. You're going to have to forgive that bunch you're going to get stuck with. You know? Because they're going to do some mess they shouldn't do, but you're going to have to forgive them. Forgive them. You know, that's why he started out with forgiveness. Because he said, I'm going to stick you in a family with somebody you're not going to like. He's going to put you around people you'd have never been connected with otherwise. Now, you look around this room. Just look around. Turn around and look or look around. You think you'd be hanging around this, this crowd here if it weren't for the Lord? Probably not. Probably would not be hanging around this bunch. I've got friends I never would have had without Jesus. And some of them same friends have made me mad, and I've had to forgive them for over the years, and I know they've had to forgive me. You know what I'm saying? But here's what that old voice will say to you when it says, come down from the cross. It's going to say stuff like this. Man, them people are weird. You don't have to be around them people. It'll say that to you. Man, you don't want to be seen with them people. Another thing it may say to you is them people don't really care about you. How many of you ever heard that? They don't care about you. They don't love you. They don't value you. They don't esteem you. See, that's the mocking voice that's telling you. Come down from the cross. You don't have to be around these people. 
They don't care about you. Separate yourself. Be suspicious of them because they can't trust them. That's the mocking voice of the enemy telling you to come down from the cross. Heck, you probably can't trust them. <laughs> I grew up, I had a sister. I used to get in fights with my sister, but I had one sister that would whip the fire out of me. I'm, this is serious. She was a couple years older than me, but she was mean. If you fought her, you got kicked, you got scratched, you got punched. And if she could get her hand on something, she hit you with it. I mean, she's hit me with stuff you wouldn't believe. I've had claws, you know, down the side of my face. I mean, I would come out of that fight bleeding. Literally. I would be have bloody noses and stuff. But I love my sister. We just fought a lot. She just wouldn't take it, you know. So we're going to have that stuff in the church. And get over it, man. We need to get over it. We are, going, we are in a family. That's, that is taking up the cross. So I want to encourage all of us people who don't really have that kind of lifestyle, who just come to church. That's not biblical. That's not really following Jesus. Are y'all with me? I know that's not proper in society today. Okay. Racism. Mm. That's that voice coming out of the garden. You can't hang around them black people. Or them white people going to think about you. And I know, I guarantee this happens to a lot of black people. Why are you going to that white church? Isn't that right? They'll tell you that. I know some black people who quit going to the white church because all their buddies were wearing them out so bad over it. And that's not the Lord because the Lord's sort of colorblind. You know, the Jesus I saw this morning was a sort of a white guy, but I got to thinking about it. He may not be so white in somebody else's eyes. You know what I'm saying? He really may not be. Suspicion. The cross executes all that stuff. It executes racism. It executes division. It executes, I, I'm going to just go home and I'm not going back to church. <laughs> I, I just ain't, I, it's just going to be me and God. How many people in this room have said that besides me? Just me and God, I'm not messing with that bunch. That's the voice. It's trying to separate you. But you know what God says? It ain't just me and you. You know, it's just like one of my children. Daddy, I just want to be around you. I don't want anything to do with Well, this is what it would really be. Mama, I want to be around you. I don't want to be around Daddy. I don't want to be around Aaron. I don't want to be around Philip. You know? That ain't, you know, wait a minute. You, have to, you got us all. Are y'all with me? Number four, John, verse 28, 19. This is good here. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Fourth thing he said on the cross, I thirst. Now, this is interesting. Let me give you, give you some information. Thirst. I'm going to have to read this. I can't dazzle you with my knowledge on this. <laughs> the Greek verb for thirst is in the present tense expressing continuous action. Did y'all get that? <laughs> it's in the present tense expressing continuous action. In other words, in layman's term, when he said, I thirst, really, literally, he said, I keep on thirsting. I keep on thirsting. Uh, uh, John 19, 28. I'm sorry. I keep on thirsting. Now, I know when Jesus was hanging on that cross, he was thirsty because of the fever in his body and the, the dehydration from loss of blood. All that, but he's not, I, I really believe ultimately God's talking about a spiritual thirst here. 
He was talking about something beyond mediocrity here. And so here's what happens to a lot of people. They get saved. Up, oh, we're saved. You know, well, we're part of the church. We're hanging around with that crowd at church. You know, we can put up with that. We'll let them come over every once in a while. You know, but they don't really go on. They don't really have that thirst in them. They don't really have that desire in them. There's, there's a mediocrity about people in the church today. You know, you know what I'm saying? When I got saved, man, it was like, you've got to be on fire for God. That was the thing. Be on fire for God. And that's what Jesus was saying. I'm thirsting for something more. I'm not going to be satisfied with what I've got. I'm not going to just be satisfied to hang on this cross. I want to go into the grave. I want to be resurrected. I want more. I want all that God has for me. Are you with me? And here's what that voice will say to you. Don't be a fanatic. You don't have to do all this to be a Christian. Just live your life. Don't cause any trouble. Just be normal like, so you'll fit in out there and people won't think you're odd and weird. Isn't that right? But that ain't what Jesus said. And He said, I'm thirsty, man. I've got to have more than this. I want to be odd. I want to be God's peculiar people. I want to fit in with everybody out there. I want to be a fanatic. And that's what he was saying when he said, I thirst. He was saying, I'm not going to be satisfied with just living, quote, a normal life. I want something more. I want all that God has for me. See, here's what the cross will do. It will execute in you a passive approach to Christianity. It will execute that in you. It goes after that thing. Don't be passive. The cross is going to go after passivity in you. You know, the Lord wants to put a fire in you. Jesus was fired up. Jesus was a happy guy. Jesus was a zealous guy. He was going after something. If Jesus is living inside of you, do you think he's happy living inside of a body that's, okay, let's just, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven and I'm going to go to church Sunday and I'm going to give my tithes, but then I'm going to go home and then I'm going to think about God a couple times through the week. Jesus is not, I'm going to tell you, He's not happy living in a body like that. He wants to live in somebody who says, I'm, you know, God, I want all that you got for me. Are you all with me? You see what I'm saying? You see, we've got Him in us wanting that. He wants it. Does this, 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 this stuff make sense? I mean, because it makes a lot of sense to me, but I feel like an idiot up here saying it for some reason right now. It's that voice up there. Get off. No. Yeah. Save yourself. Come down from there and sit down. <laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> God will put in you a heart for the church. God will put in you a heart for missions. He will put in you a heart for the lost. He'll put in you a heart for the hurting. He'll put in you a desire to teach the Word. That's where all that stuff comes from. It's that thing in Him saying, I'm thirsty. I need a teacher. I need a preacher. I need a healer. I need an evangelist. I need somebody to go over yonder across the ocean. I'm thirsty. That's where all that comes from. It comes from that thirst of God. Amen? That's number four. Number five, Matthew 27, verse 46. Oh, boy. This is, a, this is I thought the forget, forgiveness part was bad. This one's really bad. <laughs> Everybody knows this one. Matthew 27, verse 46. Uh, 
uh, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathini. That is, I heard somebody else say it like that, so I copied them. <laughs> I don't know how in the world you, I know Eli, Eli, and I think lama I could get, but that other word <laughs> didn't really look right. But I can do this one. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay? Why have you forsaken me? And I'm going to say this. Everybody who's going to be everything that you're supposed to be in God are going to experience, have this experience in your life. Many a backslider's last true spiritual experience was this. I don't feel God no more. I, I tell you, this is what happened in our church. God really moved with the young people powerfully. And then all of a sudden, after about a year or so, here's what I was hearing from a lot of them. Well, I just don't feel God no more. They were experiencing the cross in their life. They were experiencing this thing that you have to experience. Where are you, God? That was a legitimate feeling that they had. Where are you? If you're going to follow the lead to Jesus, He's going to bring you right into that place. I don't feel it no more, Lord. I don't sense your presence. Let me just read, and I hate to do it to you, but because <laughs> you'll get all these ideals, and they're probably all wrong, about Job. But just read Job 29. I'm going to read verse 2 through 5. You don't have to turn there. This is what he said. He said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God watched over me, when His lamp shone upon my head, and when His light I walked through darkness, when by His light I walked through darkness, just as I was in the days of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me. See, we're all going to face that, what they call a dark night of the soul. Everybody's going to face it when you don't really feel like God's there. And just like what Jesus, at that moment, Jesus felt deserted. At that moment, Jesus, you know, the presence of God was gone out of His life. And we're going to have to face that. And it's, it's a moment of heartache. It, it really is a moment of anguish that we go through. The Bible tells us that God said, for a brief, brief moment I forsook you. He didn't ultimately forsake Jesus. We know that. But we're all going to go through seasons. And I'm going to tell you, I believe this. I believe there's, different, there's times when we'll go through it. I think we'll go through it more than one. But I think there's one big one that you, if you're going to really get anywhere of God that you're going to go through. It's a big one, okay? Where you go through one of these deals where you feel like God is gone. What happened? Where did it go? And that's where your faith has to work. That's where your faith carries you. But this is what that old voice is going to say to you. Like Job's wife said, curse God. Forsake God. Leave God. Deny God. He's not there no more. You can't feel Him no more. Just leave Him. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's what you're going to hear. You know, God's not real with you no more. Is God mad? I've heard somebody say to me, I just think God's mad at me because I've done something wrong because I, you know, I just don't really, somehow I'm not connecting with Him no more. Yo, you know what I'm saying? This is the cross. This is carrying the cross. He meant for us to go through this. We have to go through it. And this is why we have to go through it. 
Because it executes in us the attitude that we serve God because it profits us. It executes that. And Jesus puts an attitude that we serve God because Jesus, because God is God, because He's the Lord. In other words, what God wants to execute in us is attitude that it's about me when it's really about Him. And that's hard to come to, isn't it? It really is hard to come to. And all through your life, you're going to find there's going to be times where God is going to withdraw His presence from you. And you have to just keep going, not because you feel anything, but you keep going because you believe that God is God and He's worthy to be followed whether you feel Him or not. And I hate that because I'm thinking, please don't make me do this again, Lord. I'm scared of that one. I'll be honest with you. I'm real afraid of it. You hear what I'm saying to you? And some of you in this room, that's some of you backslid over that thing. You fell away from the Lord over it. And you've got to come back. He's calling you back. Because it's only for a brief moment. God loves to let you feel His presence. He loves for us to sense it. But God's also wiser than to know when we don't need to sense it. Y'all with me? That's not fun. That's, that's worse than the, in the family thing. And Father, I just pray right now for every backslider in this room. I, I know there's some in this room who fell away because they quit feeling you and experiencing you like they had, Lord. And I just ask you, God, right now to speak to their hearts. Speak to their hearts, God, and let them know that you really never left them, Lord. It was for their best, Lord. It was for their best. But they listened to that little voice that said, see, he really wasn't real. That stuff's not real. God's not real. God really doesn't love you anymore. You've messed up so bad, he can't stand to be around you. You've looked around and saw your friends being blessed and having a good time or your neighbors or people at work, and you're thinking, I don't even feel God, and I've given my life to God for all that. And, how, and I don't even have an experience with God anymore. The joy is gone. And here they are. They're out having fun. And they're prospering. And they're being blessed. And I'm following this God who, who won't even talk to me no more. If that's your experience this morning, the Lord's got something for you. He wants to bring you back. Because I'm going to tell you something. That wasn't true what that voice said. Are y'all with me? Number six, this is the Easter message. <laughs> Number six, John 19, verse 30. 